is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Hey, Nailers fans, it's DJ Abacella bringing you another edition of The Toolbox, presented by Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. I thought this would be a great time as we look towards the month of August to do another summer update. I know that there have been a lot of frequently asked questions, so I'll do my best to answer some of those. I'll also talk about the roster as it continues to take shape here in the summer months. You've seen some of the signings in the past few weeks, and I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek as to what's to come in the next few weeks. I'll also talk about the start of the NHL playoffs as I know that you are just as excited as I am to have hockey back on television once again and I'll touch on a few other topics that have come up through the summer months. I'll begin this episode with the number one most popular question that I've heard this summer. And quite frankly, I'm glad that it's been the number one most popular question I've heard because it just furthers what I already knew about this community, that they are so passionate about their Nailers and they want to be back at West Banco Arena cheering on their team during the winter months. So, of course, that question is, what's the status for the upcoming season? And I'm right there with you. I love all of your passion and the fact that everyone wants to get back to the things that they enjoy. But to answer this, and I'll do the best that I can, I don't know if I'll be able to give you the best answer in the world, but I'll try my hardest, and that is, I'm not sure what happens yet. The league has met as a whole a few times, but as you've seen, there hasn't been anything concrete to announce yet. So, unfortunately, there isn't much of an answer right now. You look over the course of the summer months, when we ended the season in March, did I expect us to be where we are right now, entering August? No, not a chance. We all thought, ah, it'll blow over. We'll be back to normal in no time. But here we are, five months later, and still searching for answers. On occasion, we get some glimpses of hope. You look at Major League Soccer, who's gone now almost three weeks without a positive test. And you see the success that the NHL and the NBA are having going into their bubbles and getting their playoffs started here in the next few days. But then... You get curveballs thrown your way, and you see a scenario like the Miami Marlins, who had 19 positive tests, and now they are stopping their season temporarily. So suddenly, you see something like that, and the rope gets pulled back. So unfortunately, to wrap this all into one neat little package, for the time being, we still continue to sit here, wait, hope for the best, and hopefully that best is an announcement coming soon as to what the plan is to have the 2020-2021 ECHL season. I know that all of us within the organization, whether it be on the business side or the hockey op side, we're still planning on playing the season, so until we get told otherwise, it's full steam ahead. Part of that full steam ahead is player signings, which is another popular question that we get during the summer months, and that's regardless of what summer it is. So far, we've announced four returning players, Alec Butcher, Brad Drobot, Mark olivier Duquette, and Jeremy Beaudry. There are some more that have been completed, so we'll be continuing to announce those in the coming weeks. It's funny, I've had some people ask about the order on how we decide when which player goes out. For the most part, that's my call. On occasion, the coach, in this case Mark French, or Brian Komorowski, our alternate governor, will ask me to move a certain player earlier in the summer in case they get done quicker. So far, we focused on returning players. 
We do have some rookies, though, coming out of college, so you'll start to see those players. We're going to turn the page a little bit and get you acclimated with some of the newer faces that you're going to see on the ice in Wheeling this season. I will tell you this, though, and this may make you panic more or less, I'm not really sure, but typically I don't hold on to the big ones. So as an example, I'll use Cam Brown. Unfortunately, Cam is not returning to Wheeling, at least not to start the 2020-2021 season, as he signed in Denmark last week. But had Cam re-signed here, let's just play that scenario out, he would have jumped to the front of the line in the order of the announcement. With that being said, I do want to wish Cam the best this season. Thank him for his time as a nailer. Three seasons here, a terrific player on the ice, and a really great job in the community as well. I know that a lot of fans had great relationships with Cam, and they really appreciated what he brought to this community. Also want to give well wishes to some other nailers who have signed elsewhere, including Blake Siebenaller with his hometown Fort Wayne Comets, at least, well, when we're not playing the Comets, we wish Blake the best, and Matt Apt, who signed an American Hockey League deal with the Colorado Eagles. Players like Siebenaller and Apt bring up an interesting talking point as well, and I know it's one that can be frustrating at times for fans because you tend to grow attached to the players that you have, whether it's because they are outstanding players on the ice and bring tremendous value to the team and help produce wins in that fashion, or they could be outstanding human beings off the ice and you could grow to know them on a personal level. So really, I can see why you want to have similar cores year after year. As we work through the signing season, though, I can tell you through the years and talking with the various head coaches that we've had that the single hardest players to bring back are those on either NHL or AHL contracts. This isn't to say that that's completely impossible. A great example of this would be Frankie Palazis, who was under AHL contract with Hamilton in 2014-15 and then signed an ECHL deal for 2015-16. But the reason why those deals sometimes are the most complicated is because those players still have the goal of reaching the next level, which of course for us would be the ECHL, to the AHL. And if they were on a higher level contract and feel like they don't have a great chance of making it up in your organization, in this case for Wilkes-Barre Scranton, they're probably going to look somewhere else for a fresh opportunity. And same goes for the approach from the AHL team too. While Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Pittsburgh do a tremendous job of helping build our roster, at the end of the day, they're looking at their future. And if they don't see a player getting AHL games within the next few seasons, they're probably not just going to have them stick in the ECHL year after year. They're going to go after someone who they think is going to make an impact on their team either now or in the very near future. So sure, it's a bummer to see them go, but when you peel back the emotional ties, and Siebenhaler is a great example of this, it makes a lot of sense. Blake was on an AHL contract last season. He was on an NHL deal before that. He got traded from Columbus to Pittsburgh, but he led Wheeling in defensive scoring and he didn't get called up to the AHL. So if you're Blake, then the Fort Wayne Comets, who are in your hometown, they come after you with a contract, then 
it makes sense that you're probably going to go there. And it also gets you some new eyeballs on there. I'm sure Blake still has the passion to want to get to the American Hockey League. So now with the Chicago Wolves or the Ontario Reign, who were both with Fort Wayne last year, I'm not sure what direction they're going this season. But there's some more eyes for him to get that chance to try and make his way back to the AHL again. So what does this all mean going forward? I know some of you are seeing some of the bigger names returning to the places where they played last year. Jesse Schultz, Justin Vive in Cincinnati, Sean Sidlowski, A.J. Jenks with the Fort Wayne Comets. And that may lead you to go, well, come on, Nailers. What on earth are you waiting for? Let's get some big names of our own into the pile as well. The good news is there are still a ton of possibilities on the market. Still a lot of free agent players who are trying to figure out where they're going to play for the 2020-2021 season. And just like you and I, like we talked about in the very first segment of today's Toolbox episode... They're waiting to see what happens with the seasons, not only here in North America with the NHL, the AHL, and the ECHL, but over in Europe as well. The NHL free agent market isn't going to open until October, if not a little bit later than that. Europe, I know there have been some players who have looked over to that as a possibility, but if there's too many players that look towards that opportunity, you heard Zach Torquato in an episode earlier this summer They have limits on how many import players from North America can play over there, so it may very well get oversaturated, and some of the players may come back this way. And to add to that, we see this situation arise pretty much every summer. There's also players waiting on higher-level contracts, which may or may not go their way. You'll have those fringe players, NHL, AHL. Maybe they're a full-time AHLer, but they're hoping to get an NHL contract with that. Same for here. You have AHL, ECHL tweeners that maybe they're hoping to get that final grasp at an AHL contract, and maybe they will. Maybe we'll see some players get contracts with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, but that could also open the door for players to come sign ECHL contracts as well. And I know that Mark French and Derek Army have both reached out to players who could fit into that scenario, who have played in the ECHL before and who could be valuable pieces to this team. A good example too, and this is actually something that's been very good historically for the Nailers. You look at some of the signings that they've had maybe later in the signing seasons. I know everybody wants to come out of the gates flying in July and build the roster and then August, September feel like a walk in the park as you've got everything all set and ready to go. But just like in fishing, sometimes you have to be patient to land the big ones. Look at some of the names that we've had success with from later on closer to the season starting. Sahir Gill, finished up his career at Boston University. He first signed with the Nailers in October of 2013 and then went on to lead the team in scoring. So wasn't even on the radar possibly in August and September. Comes in in October, leads the team in scoring. Oh yeah, some guy named Riley Brace. I think you all know what he did in his two seasons here. He was an all-star twice. He scored the Game 7 overtime goal in 2016. Well, Brace is one of these perfect examples. He was hoping for an American Hockey League deal in the summer of 2014. He had had an AHL deal in 2013-14, but didn't get re-upped. He went to training camp with Hamilton, didn't make the team, and Clark Donatelli said, hey, why don't you come here? We'll get you some really good playing time in You'll be a big part of our team, which he sure was, and we'll see if we can get you some time in the AHL, which is exactly what happened for Riley Brace. You also have scenarios like Dan Fick 
Vic was a training camp invitee in 2015, and he went on to play the most games in Wheeling Nailers history. And then, of course, there are a variety of other ways that players will filter their way onto the roster. You have Shane Baker, who was claimed off waivers in 2013, and he was ultimately the captain of your Eastern Conference champion squad in 2015-16. And then if you watched Nail It Down, the video series with the 2015-16 team, you heard the players talk about how Matthew Mayoni was a training camp invitee to Wilkes-Barre Scranton, and he made such an impression that the Nailers traded for him midway through that season. So sit tight. I know that it gets antsy and you're trying to figure out if your favorite player is coming back. And I know that Mark and Derek are making sure that this is going to be a very competitive team that takes the ice in the upcoming season. Shifting topics, I bet you're all as excited as I am to watch some live hockey. Finally, the NHL begins its playoffs this weekend. Our current affiliate faces one of our former affiliates in the best-of-five qualifying series as the Pittsburgh Penguins and Montreal Canadiens clash in Toronto, one of the two hub cities, Toronto in the east and Edmonton in the west. Montreal has a good goaltender in Carey Price, but after being a 500 team, let's call a spade a spade. They should just be thankful they're getting invited to the dance. Pittsburgh gets Jake Gensel back. That could be one of the biggest additions for a team going into this Stanley Cup playoff tournament. And it could easily help the Penguins make a deep run based on the skill and the experience that they have on their roster. It'll be interesting to watch how the top four in each conference shake down as those teams will play each other three games for seeding. As for the qualifying round, I think the series I'm most intrigued by is Nashville and Arizona in the West. Arizona added Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel this year and should be better than an 11 seed. But after losing in the first round last year, you've got Nashville on the other side and they should come ready for anything. Then again, considering the lower seed won five of the eight opening round series last year, including all four division winners losing in the first round, nothing should be taken for granted. There are six former Nailers on playoff rosters who have made their way into the Hub Cities. First off, two-time Stanley Cup champion Tom Kunakel and his New York Islanders are the number seven seed in the Eastern Conference and open up against number 10 Florida. His teammate on the 2016 Stanley Cup champion squad, Josh Archibald, plays for the Edmonton Oilers, who are the number five seed in the Western Conference and who face number 12, the Chicago Blackhawks. Staying in the Western Conference, Mark Letestu, his 576 career NHL games, ranked second among former Nailers trailing only Francis Bouillon. He plays for the number nine seed Winnipeg Jets who do battle with the number eight Calgary Flames. Then there's Las Vegas native Gage Quinney who made his NHL debut this season with his hometown Vegas Golden Knights. The VGK are number three in the West and will play a round robin against St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas. And of course, finally, another nod to our affiliate, the Pittsburgh Penguins who have both Casey DeSmith and Emil Larmy on their roster. While you watch those games, make sure to cast your votes on our bracket for the best wheeling jersey of all time. This was an extremely fun project to put together, getting a chance to see all the great uniforms the team has worn in its 28 seasons, and I am stoked to see which one you all pick as the best. The link can be found on our social media, and I've already had a few requests for specialty jerseys too, such as Pink in the Rink, St. Patrick's Day, NASCAR Night, and a Penguins Night Blackout 
jersey. I'm just starting to dive into those to see what all we have to work with, so that could potentially be on the horizon. That said, if you have any ideas for fun content during the summer month, or you have any questions that you'd like answered either on another episode of The Toolbox or on Twitter, feel free to send me a tweet at Deej, that's D-E-E-J, underscore hockey, P-X-P, or you can use the team account at Wheeling Nailers. Speaking of brackets, I also want to give a big congratulations to Samantha Pearl on winning the ECHL's Fan of the Year. This was such an emotional year for Samantha and her stepdad, Chris Cook, who lost Sam's mom and Chris's wife, Darlene, in October. It was so great to see them all season long doing everything in Darlene's memory, and Sam and Chris, too, so deserving of this award. I am so proud to be able to call them my friends, and I hope that all of you get a chance to reach out and congratulate them on such a tremendous job and a wonderful honor from the ECHL. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of The Toolbox presented by Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Be sure to follow all of our social media networks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for all of the latest information regarding the Wheeling Nailers. We'll have some more guests coming onto The Toolbox throughout the summer. Enjoy those hockey playoffs, and I'm DJ Abasella. I'll talk to you next time. 